wanted to let you know that uh, our pastor, Pastor Joe, will be back in the pulpit uh, next week. He and uh, Hank and Sean just got back from our General Assembly up in uh, Memphis. I think they probably ate uh, some good barbecue. Did you eat some good barbecue while you were up there? Yeah, Hank says yes. Yeah, but Joe caught a little bit of a cold, so he is uh, home uh, nursing that uh, today. But he will be back next week to continue his study through the uh, Gospel of Luke. So this week you get me, I'm the substitute teacher again, and I always seem to get these days, you know, they're special, whether it's graduate day, whether it's Reformation day, or uh, Memorial day, or, well, today's Father's Day, so how appropriate, you know, I come up with something uh, related to fathers. Now, uh, most pastors, when they have Father's Day sermons, they They preach at the fathers and give them 10 steps how to be a better father. Well, I'm not going to do that to you guys today, you know. We today are going to reflect on our heavenly father. And and hopefully as we reflect on our heavenly father, fathers, it will help us to be uh, better fathers uh, to our children. So the title today is Our Father in Heaven, very familiar uh, text for you. And I have two texts. First will be Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, followed by Matthew 6, 9b, which comes from our Lord's Prayer. Let's read first Galatians. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if it's a son, then an heir through God. And then coming from Matthew 6, our Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May God add his blessing to his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you now for this opportunity to bring forth your word today. I pray that you will use me as an instrument for your glory and your grace and speak your truth, Lord, to our hearts. Your Holy Spirit, illumine our hearts and our minds that we may see you in your holy word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed May 9th, 1914... Mother's Day. It would be 58 years later that President Nixon made Father's Day official in 1972. I guess the fathers complained long enough to say, we want our own holiday, and they finally uh, gave in. So today we recognize fathers and we honor them. And speaking of fathers, you know, not all fathers are alike. Some are wiser than others. A young boy had just gotten his driving permit and asked his father if they could discuss the use of the car. His father took him into the study and said, I'll make a deal with you. You bring your grades up, study your Bible a little more, and get your hair cut, and we'll talk about it. Well, about a month later, the boy comes back to the father and asks again, Dad, I want to talk about the use of the car. And dad says, come on, son, let's go into my study. He said, son, I'm proud of you. You have brought your grades up. You're studying the Bible more, but you haven't gotten a haircut. 
The young man waited a moment and replied, well, you know, Dad, I've been thinking about that. And Samson had long hair. Moses had long hair. Even Jesus had long hair. Father paused, said, son, you're right, but they walked everywhere. <laughs> well, some of you may have had a father like that who was very wise and could see right through you. This morning, as I said, I'm not going to give you 10 things to do as better fathers. I want to discuss our Heavenly Father and give him the honor and the praise that is due his name. Just as the Lord's Prayer says, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. The Apostles' Creed begins with the significant words, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. We sometimes forget that Almighty God is also our Father. How are we to re reconcile the two descriptions of God? Almighty and Father. How do we balance the fear of the Lord and seeing him also as a loving Father? To be honest, we don't fully grasp what it means to be a son or daughter of God and how much he actually loves us. So this morning, I want to better acquaint you with our Heavenly Father from Scripture. What does Scripture have to say about our Father in Heaven? Now, we can only scratch the surface here. Today, we're talking about the first person in the Trinity, and it's going to take an eternity to get to know our Heavenly Father. Interestingly, the idea of God as Father is barely mentioned in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God is mentioned Father only 15 times. Here are a couple examples. Come from my, two of them come from Isaiah. You are our Father, though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us. You, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, from old is your name. Notice how... Isaiah ties together Redeemer with Father. And then in the next chapter, chapter 64, a very familiar verse, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. But it will come into the New Testament, and more specifically through the words of Jesus, that we would learn more about our Heavenly Father. In fact, Jesus made the startling claim to Philip in the upper room. This is at the end of his ministry. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. It is in the New Testament that God is referred to as Father 245 times. What made Jesus unique, especially in the Jewish context, was simple. He called God his own Father, making himself equal with God. And this got him, if you know, a lot of trouble with the religious leaders of the day. Listen to this in John chapter 5, verse 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus came to do the work of the Father. He came to reveal the love of the Father and to redeem all that the Father had given to him. And we see this especially in the Gospel of John. Here's a verse. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
This looking on the Son and believing in Him for eternal life is because the Father draws us to Him and adopts us into His family. And so on this Father's Day, I want to see that as God's adopted children, we are His children, and because of that, we should honor Him. Let me read that passage from Galatians again. But when the fullness of time had come... God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. First, what I want you to see is this is a Trinitarian operation. All three members of the Trinity are involved in this adoption process. God the Father sends his Son to adopt us into his family. The Son comes to pay the price or purchase our salvation. The Holy Spirit, who by the way is another word name is advocate, lawyer, legal, he makes our salvation effective. Basically, he does the legal paperwork. Paul is using adoption language here to explain this transaction that we call our salvation, how we are born again, how we become saved. The recipients of Paul's letter, who were the church in Galatia, would have understand the term adoption and its implications. In Roman law, it was recognized practice for an adult who wanted an heir to carry on the family name to adopt a male son. Roman law would entitle the adopted son to all the benefits and the privileges that a birth son possessed. Also see that adoption is a family idea. It's conceived in terms of love. It views God as the father. In adoption, God takes us into his family and fellowship and establishes us as his children and heirs. Closeness, affection, and generosity are at the heart. Of this relationship. Now, most theologians, especially us uh, Reformed Presbyterians, like to focus on the doctrine of justification, right, due to the preponderance of verses in Scripture. But I agree here where J.I. Packer says that adoption is, quote, the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher than justification. In justification, God is judge. In adoption, God is our heavenly Father. Adoption moves us from the courtroom, listen to this, to the family room. Moves it from the courtroom to the family room. Christ comes, does his work, pays the price. For what? To bring us into the family room. To bring us into the family of God. Uh, For you that have been in my class in in Peter, we talked about, it's, it's all about God having a family, a people, where Peter said, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were not receiving mercy now you have received mercy you see we prior to Christ were spiritual orphans without hope in desperate need of someone to come and so God in his great love sent his son to pay the ultimate price with his blood and how do we know how do we know that we are saved how do we know that we are adopted well Paul gives that also in there By the Holy Spirit that lives within us, enabling us to cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, God is 
That, that term is an Aramaic term of endearment that's used by a, a relationship between a father and a child. It's an affectionate, dependent relationship. So we just know in our heart, the Spirit knows that the, the triune God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, is also my heavenly Father. And I know because within me, it cries out, right? We were brought into the family of God because of the choice and tender love of a father. Listen to how Paul says it in Ephesians. And if you've been around any time I preach, I go to Ephesians 1 a lot because it's just it's powerful. He says, blessed be the God and God, listen, that God and Father, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now listen to this. In love, in love, he predestined us for what? Adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to what? The purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace. Notice that this plan of adoption was designed in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. For you that struggle with the concept of predestination and election, this passage should bring you comfort that you were chosen before the foundation of the world by your heavenly Father. Think about it. Orphans do not choose their parents or their family. The parents choose them. The parents pay the price for the orphans. In fact, in the United States, it is very expensive to adopt a child, approximately twenty-five dollars to $45,000 in the U.S. And if you want someone from overseas, it can cost much more than that. But think about it. Christ paid the ultimate price for our adoption with his blood. Now listen how Peter says it, all right? So these apostles get it together. Peter says, similar to Paul, and for you who were in, in the first Peter class, you'll remember this verse. Blessed be the God and Father, there it is again, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Both Peter and Paul uses God and Father in the description of the first person of the trinities. So Peter got it from hanging out with Jesus, right? Paul got it from direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. And not to be outdone, we got the other great apostle, John, all right? And he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Why are we called children of God? Because God is love. You know, I want you to reflect on that this morning. Give praise and thanks to God this morning for adopting you. When you go home today, think about it. He adopted you. That is why we will say, hallowed be thy name. Well, now that I have established the great love of our Heavenly Father in adopting us as children, I wanted to look at a few of our Heavenly Father's characteristics in the remaining time that I have. First off, we should recognize that our Heavenly Father cares for us. He cares for you. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Cast all your cares, your worries, your anxieties, cast them on Him, God, 
because he cares for you. Now, a God who cares would have been a totally new concept to the Greco-Roman world, especially the love of a father. No ancient Greek or Roman writer would have assumed that any of their gods in their religious tradition cared for mankind. Their important gods, they kept themselves apart from men in their homes up on Mount Olympus. If anything, most polytheistic gods were to be appeased or feared. This idea of a God loving mankind was a foreign concept. But Jesus came in as the God-man, the Son of God, to the world to show the love of the true God, Almighty Father, a Father who cares for you. So do you see him today, I ask you, as a God who cares about your worries and your anxieties? Or do you carry them yourselves? You need to know that your Heavenly Father cares about your life, even to the most mundane, simple worry or care. Jesus said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You may remember that verse covered a few weeks ago with Joe, especially that hair part, right, or lack thereof. But he was talking about the care of the Father. He knows our number of hairs on our head. He knows what we are going for. We are valuable in God's eyes. That's why he chose you and adopted you. He is aware of what you are going through. Nothing goes outside of his watch because he's watching you day in day out for those again I refer back in Sunday school you recall that Peter says we are precious and choice living stones placed upon the chief cornerstone Jesus Christ now some of you may struggle and sometimes we all struggle with this idea of being valuable in the father's eyes and it may be because you didn't have an earthly father who valued you he didn't see you as special. In fact, he may have tore you down, didn't care about you or anything you cared about. And so it's hard to understand this idea of a heavenly father that sees you as valuable, sees you as a princess, sees you as something special. But God's word says that, that he sees us as special. Sounds like we're getting a warning uh, that a tornado warning? <laughs> well, where's my security guy? Dave, should we do anything? <laughs> Just put... <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll stay put. We'll trust the heavenly care of God upon us <laughs> and not be foolish, though. <laughs> All right. So I asked you this morning, I said, know this morning that, that even though your earthly father may not have cared for you and loved you and saw you as special, God does because he chose you he adopted you into our family another thing not only God cares about our he cares for our daily needs right again from the sermon on the mount therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
And this leads to my next description of our Heavenly Father. Our Father not only cares for you, but he is a giver of good gifts. Our Heavenly Father is a giver of good gifts. He is benevolent. Of which one of you, if his son asks for him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? This comes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and it is in the context of prayer. Now, as a father, I love giving gifts to my children. It's one of the best things about being a dad. There is something about watching your children's eyes on Christmas Day. You know, when they come out of the room, you know, it's like they want to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning so they can see. What, and you're like, no, we're going to wait at least till 6, you know. But they love to give gifts. I loved getting gifts when I was a kid. And I could still remember my dad giving me, he liked to give me sports equipment. I can remember getting a baseball glove, a, a basketball, a BB gun, a bike, my Joe Willie white Puma Football cleats. Now, a few of you, Bill, know who is Joe Willie. Joe Willie Namath, who was from my hometown. And I remember my dad bought me these cleats, and I, everybody else had black cleats on my football team. Now, it did make you an object for hits, you know, people <laughs> they hit the guy with the white cleats. But the point is, we love to get gifts. Now, my dad wasn't perfect either. In fact, he was an alcoholic for a good portion of my growing up. In many ways, I had like two dads. I had a sober dad and a drunk dad with two different personalities. And uh, he tried to be a good dad, but he failed many times due to his sin. In fact, I can vividly remember when I was wearing those Joe Willie white spikes after a football game, my dad was drunk. And he berated me, tore me down. It was not a good moment for my father, and I still remember that uh, today. But that is precisely the point Jesus is making here. If earthly fathers who are sinful know how to give good gifts, how much more our heavenly Father in heaven to give those? James says it well. Every good and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our Father is very generous. He's a giver of good things. He is generous with his gifts. The Father gave his Son. The Father gives us his Holy Spirit, and he gives us all that we need to live. That's why we can cry out with David the psalmist in Psalm 100. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Children, today you need to thank your dads for the many benefits that you get from them. And we need to thank our Heavenly Father for the many benefits we get from him. Not only does our Father provide gifts, but he also provides comfort in time of need. Our Father is the God of all comfort. Where do I get that? Again, from the Apostle Paul. Let's look in 2 Corinthians 1. 
Listen to these words. Blessed be the God and Father. He uses those terms together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He is not only the Father of mercies, he is the God of all comfort. The word comfort is the same Greek word used for the Holy Spirit. He's given us the comforter to help us. Think about that. Our Heavenly Father is there to comfort us in all, all affliction. Not some, not some, but all affliction. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, was going through tremendous affliction and suffering. When he wrote this second letter to the church in Corinth, it said he was to the point of being utterly burdened beyond his strength that he despaired of life itself. I mean, he was pushed to the limits, and he needed comfort from his heavenly Father. Have you ever been pushed beyond your strength, beyond what you appear to be the limits of your life? Know that the Father is there to comfort you. Finally, one other verse in Romans 15, 5, Paul says that God is the giver of endurance and encouragement. He's the giver of endurance and encouragement. I could spend a lot of time on both endurance and encouragement, but due to time's sake, let me just say a, a thing about encouragement. Nothing is better than hearing a word of encouragement from your earthly father. Nothing. Fathers, here's your advice. You know, I'll give you a little bit. Encourage your children. Breathe life into them. Strengthen them through your words. Our Heavenly Father gives us the encouragement that we need to finish the race. He adopted us. He will see us to the end when one day we will be in his presence. I'm going to close with a personal story about my earthly father, since it is Father's Day, and it's about encouragement. I hope I can get through it. When I was, you know, practicing it, I was like, oh, I'm going to cry. He's like, give me some strength, Lord. Let me take a little sip of water here. <clears throat> I remember my uh, sophomore year in high school. I was a little guy. I was five foot five, weighed 118 pounds. And I wanted to try out for the uh, varsity football team as a sophomore. And I can remember I was 118 pounds specifically because the midget football league, or Pop Warner, some of you may have played Pop Warner midgets, in my area, the limit, and this for 12 years old, was 118 pounds. So I thought, I could be playing midget football, and I'm in high school. <clears throat> and my dad encouraged me to go and play football. So I went to the summer practices and tried out, went through all the drills and, and uh, the heat of the day. And, uh, and he would continue to encourage me, just do your best, son, do your best. You'll, you can make that team. Well, it came to the end of summer practices, the way our football team did it was, is that they had a one-week summer camp, football camp, and it was up on Lake Erie, beautiful part of Pennsylvania. And so the team would go up there for a week and play practice football. And so the day that they came to announce the list 
of who gets to go, you know. They start with seniors and then juniors, and I'm in the sophomores, and I'm thinking, I'm 118 pounds, five foot five. Uh, there's no way. My dad kept saying, just, just trust. And so they're going alphabetically through the list, and, you know, Malik, I'm an M, and, and I remember hearing Mike Langston, L. Mike is in the ninth grade was, he was like Josh. I mean, he was like already six foot two, 230. And these were most of the guys. I'm like, I hear Mike Langston. And all of a sudden, Rick Malik. And I just got this, you know, rush of, of joy that I made the team. But that's not the, the best part. Is my dad was off work that day and I run home. And he is sitting on the porch, and he could see my smile, and he smiled back. And it was that feeling of he's breathing encouragement into me that I just, I still remember it to this day. And the point is, my dad was a sinner. My dad was not the best dad, and he was able to provide encouragement, but how much more our Heavenly Father in Heaven? How much more does our Heavenly Father love us? We have a Heavenly Father who deeply loves us. We have a Heavenly Father who is the God of all comfort. We have a Heavenly Father who cares for us. We have a Heavenly Father who gives us good things all the time. And we have a heavenly father who's encouraging us along the way. And you know, when we reflect, when we reflect on his great love for us, it demands a response. Our father is not only to be loved by us, but he's to be worshipped by us. He is to be adored by us. That is why we need to say, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name because of the Father's great love which we sang about today for us. I would ask you this morning, do you know the Father's great love? I hope so. If you don't, I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit will bring it about so that you can know this love too. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for your great encouragement. We thank you for your many, many gifts that you give us. But most of all, we thank you for our salvation that we richly enjoy in Christ. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us to realize it. Lord, if there's anybody in here today that does not know you, I pray that you would on this Father's Day make them your father. And Lord, for those that may be struggling today with seeing you as a loving, benevolent, giving, caring Father, that you would impress upon their hearts that you love and care for them. We pray, Father, that you would just take the word that has been spoken today and use it to strengthen our hearts and our lives until we meet again. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.